SOJ conversation. Last one we did, we were outside. This one, we've actually got the wild animals sitting right here with us. Um, I'm sitting here with one of my favorite people in the world and her Tasmanian devil, Zoe. So if you hear those little bells jingling around, that's just our four-legged furry friend who's going to keep us company throughout this podcast. Thank you um, for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. One of the reasons... One of the many reasons I wanted to sit down and talk with you is, A, because <clears throat> you're one of my favorite people on the planet for lots of different reasons, but you're also um, in a very under underappreciated but over-needed occupation, and I feel like we've had plenty of conversations about your feelings and your, your career um, as a teacher. And I really respect the fact that, that you stayed in it and, you know, all through the trials and tribulations. What are you on, your fifth year of teaching? Sixth. Sixth year of teaching. I think that um, the world needs more teachers. I know when I was younger, um, I didn't do very well in school. I didn't have a whole lot of parenting going on. I didn't have a bad childhood necessarily, but my parents were always working. You know, I would literally come home and throw, I would, my foot would touch the curb from my, from my yard. I would throw my backpack to the front yard or to the front door, and I would literally run to my friend's house or go do whatever I wanted. I never did homework, um, <clears throat> and I'm lucky enough to have a 13-year-old and 11-year-old now that are, I mean, they're almost straight-A students. My son struggles a little bit. My, my daughter's been on the honor roll for the last three years. So um, thank you for the, the service that you put in, and thank you for sacrificing your you know, or using your education for the higher good of, of educating the youth and putting, putting kids to a standard that, um, that some of their parents can't. I know a lot of our conversations have uh, ended up going back to, like, why is this kid so difficult or why is this kid, you know, such a distraction in the class that I can't teach anyone else. And we often talk about the, the parents and how you have to do a lot of parenting that takes away from your job. So... Um, first of all, thank you. And second of all, I mean, what, what made you want to start teaching? What, what, what got you on that path? Was it like in college and it's just where your credits mounted up to, or was it something you wanted to do from the start? Well, I, I've heard of, there's lots of teachers out there that have always wanted to be a teacher. They've known ever since they were a little kid that they've wanted to teach others. Um, and I was the opposite, actually. I... I was told that I would be a good teacher. I was told it um, by other teachers when I was in elementary school and middle school and high school. And I even dated someone in college who told me that I would make a great teacher. And every time I would say, no, I want a, I want a job that makes real money. I would, I would say like, oh no, I'd, I'm never doing that job. That's too much work with too little pay. And I knew that it wasn't as rewarding as it could be. I, I only heard the negatives, you yeah, know? Yeah, So, but for some reason, um, I guess the the guy I was dating in college convinced me after hearing it from... What year in college? Like first year in college? Yeah, I had already finished my first year in college and I was at Meredith College okay. for a year and yeah. I hated it. Yeah. It was an all-girls school in Raleigh and it was awful. And um, the guy I was dating was moving to UNC Greensboro, and they had a really good program for teachers. 
So I knew it was one of the, one of the best in the nation. And he was like, you would make a really good teacher. My mom's a teacher. So he sounded, he acted like, maybe he did. He sounded like he knew who he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to, to give it a try. Yeah. And then there's, there's this an introductory course at UNCG. And you're mostly an intern going to schools and they're just reflecting. They're asking, like, you, they want to make sure you really want to get in it before they even put you in the program. Yeah. You have to get... A C or higher in this course to mm-hmm. go on to the teaching. Oh, it's a program. whole course. It's not just a test. Yeah, it's a whole semester. Okay. Once you're in the, once you're, you know, enrolled in school, this mm-hmm. is the first one of the first classes you take, mm-hmm. and you have to pass it before getting into the teaching program. Mm-hmm. So the first, that was the first class I took on the first semester, and it was, I saw a lot in my first year, and that was it went by really fast, and that's only just watching. You know, that wasn't me doing any lesson planning or any interactions with any of the kids, just being there. And this was the... the Very first semester. This is the one that gauges you and you have to get, you have to pass this course in, it in order to qualify for the teaching program. Right. So you're basically just like a student aide or like a teacher's aide. Yeah, I'm passing out papers and pencils. Like, okay. that's it. Okay. Not, not doing any planning. And, re- and by the end of this final exam in the course, and it's an essay... And it's basically like, do you want to be a teacher? Yeah. And by the end of the essay, I wrote, I don't know. I still was like, I'm not sure. I don't think, I don't know if I want to do this. But, so I didn't, I did not pass the course. Yeah. And I had to take it again. You think you didn't pass it because of what you wrote in that essay? I got exactly like the borderline score of not passing. Yeah. I also missed just enough days to pass the course too. Mm. You have to get a C or higher, I got a C minus. Mm. So it didn't affect my GPA too bad. Yeah. I didn't fail it, but I also didn't get into the program. Yeah. And I had to take the course again. Yeah. So I went another semester taking bullshit classes, really. Yeah. Bored out of my mind working at Jimmy John's and I was just like, is it really like it really all about making money yeah you know and I went back to thinking you know why I came to that school in the first place and I just figured you know everyone told me I would be good at it I can't think of anything else I would do I can't see myself doing anything else so I kind of just fell on my lap at that point I just finished the schooling and got myself a job my mom's twin sister has been a teacher uh my whole life she was a catholic school teacher for Years and years and years, probably twenty something years. What age grade? To principal, I think she was in fourth grade, somewhere right around you. I know you teach third school primarily, third grade primarily. Um, But uh, she, you know, always I always heard the struggles of um, of uh, teachers, you know. not paid enough, having to put their own money towards uh, supplies. Like, I heard that my whole life. I, I was always, I was never the smartest kid, but I was always one of the sweetest. I, I always got by on my social skills. Um, I mean, I remember my third grade teacher. I remember my fourth grade teacher. Um, I actually had a little crush on my fourth grade teacher, and I remember that she was Miss Howard, and then she got married over Christmas break, and then turned into <laughs> Miss Neary. So that was that was just one of the many you know great teachers that I had that that made an impact that I remember. Um, that uh, Zoe, stop! She's going crazy. She just loves me. <clears throat> but uh, so I've always had a high respect for teachers. I've, I was as my 
mom's twin, she was the one that was around the most. She was there at my graduation. She was there at all my brother's graduations. Um, even though she lived in Connecticut, she would fly out to California for, or to Texas or wherever it was that, you know, something was going on. All of our weddings, she's been there. Um, so <clears throat> my Aunt Katie was, uh, was one of my first teachers. I mean, she taught me a lot of things that, uh, and I was classified as, uh, you know, dyslexic when I was younger. I always had the special ed classes, and so I feel like I, I dealt with a few more teachers than most people. Um, and I, I learned at an early age that if, if I didn't like the teacher, I didn't learn much in that class. I, I really didn't, unless, that, unless there was some sort of engaging uh, quality about them or there was something... It didn't necessarily have to be a good-looking woman to be able to teach me. Like, there was a couple guys that got through, but, you know, I, I developed a standard for teachers almost probably at maybe fourth or fifth grade, especially, substitutes especially, um, you know, with teachers getting pregnant or getting married or switching schools. Um, there's always a reason for, you know, substitutes to come in. And I felt like if you didn't write your name on the board, like, you are, you, you are starting off on the wrong foot. You know, like you have, that's just one of the basic things that you have to do. And you have to, you have to introduce yourself to the class. Now, if it's one of those long-term situations where you're there for a week or two weeks, you know, of course you don't have to do that every day. But if, if you don't do that in the beginning, like I automatically, I'm like, I'm going to give you a hard time. Because when my teacher gets back here, <laughs> I'm already a sweetheart. She's not going to believe that I was mean to you. It's just a miscommunication between, you know, the two. So looking back on my you know, feeble education, my, my, my very, you know, my elementary days and, and high school days, there was a lot of, I caused a lot of ruckus for a few um, substitutes. But for the most part, I was always good to my teachers because I knew they controlled my grades. And I couldn't rely solely on my brain power for my grades. Um, I relied a lot on my social skills for, for my grades. And I know that your a good teacher, not that you've ever taught me, but I've, I mean, you've gotten bonuses for, you know, your kids improving the most. Uh, I've, I've hired you to tutor my own kids when my son was in third grade and didn't have a, a up to par reading level and needed to, you know, get that up to its right level. So, and, and we did, you know, within the allotted time. So I know there's, there's something that you're doing right. You know, even though that we're friends and I get to hear you, you know, complain about your long days or your, your drag, drug out um, programs that you don't necessarily see are helping anybody, that, but you have to do because it's part of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I see the struggle and I, I see a lot of the things, but there's there's results. I mean, six years in teaching. Uh, do you Do you remember any kids that were special? Like, maybe not... not uh, there's two sides of that spectrum. What do you mean? <laughs> right, well, let's 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 stay on the positive side for right now. We'll, we'll we'll continue with the with the negative later. But did you have favorites? Like, you don't have any kids yet. But did you did you have? I I don't play favorites with my kids because I have a boy and a girl. So I tell them you know I have my favorite boy and I have my favorite girl. But I feel like in every class there's always a favorite. You know whether it's admitted or not. Whether it's whether it's uh, you know palpable or. Uh, if, if it's obvious or not is is totally up to the teacher and the and the the student but i don't know like do you have different favorites on different years oh yeah every year do you have a different favorite 
It's easy to pick a favorite every year. Okay. It's harder now because I have three classes because I just teach reading, so the okay. classes rotate. Yeah. So I've got still the same I grade still level? have a favorite. Yes, yeah, okay. still same, still third grade, but I have a favorite in every class. Yeah. Or at least like two favorites. Yeah. But there's there's some kids. When you said special, it made me think of like kids I hated or kids I loved, and. There's one student in all my years of teaching that is my favorite in the best way, but he was a handful. He had just came back from this other school. His last school had suspended him over 10 times. He was apparently a really bad behavior problem. Um, single mom. Was this the one with the sister that was super good? No, that's one that I didn't like. Okay. But same issues, right? Like yeah. the same issues. But I think, but um, they both were behavior problems. The kids I loved and the kids I hated. Well, hated is such a strong word. Liked the least, let's say that. Yeah. They had the same qualities. It's just how I interacted with them and how they changed by the end of the year. That's probably why I liked them so much. Okay, so the kids you saw the most growth in, the kids that you saw you had the... <coughs> The best impact on uh, tended to be some of the ones you would gravitate towards. Yeah. And I'll tell you, those were the ones where the parents were the most involved. <clears throat> well, that's one of the things I wanted to, to talk to you about, too, because, you know, you hear all this, uh, you know, teachers have it so bad. And uh, I feel like even though you guys are, are very underpaid, there's, there is a system set up. I'm, I'm a fan of uh, public schooling. But uh, there's got to be a better way to fund you guys. I think the government has failed you since, it seems like ever since uh, public schooling became uh, a government program, that uh, there's just been holes in the system and corruption and money that's not getting to the people that it needs to get to. Um, I'm getting off on a tangent, but uh, the, the point I wanted to speak to is have... In those lounge rooms or teacher, do they even have teacher lounge rooms anymore? They have work rooms where okay. there's like copy machines. Where the kids and, aren't allowed. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, like in those teacher lounge rooms or teacher conference room, uh, work room, w teacher work rooms, uh, like do you do the teachers come up and say like, hey, you know, vote for this guy because he believes in this bill or or this is gonna change us, you know, or is it? Always after the bill's been passed, you're like, oh, did you hear what Trump did? Or did you hear what, you know, this person did? Or whatever to affect you afterwards. I feel like I don't vote enough because I'm not informed on the issues. But if it comes down to schooling, if, if I feel like if someone is talking about schooling and education, like I think that's why Bernie Sanders got so much uh, credit and so much love because he wanted to pay for everyone's college. Like, what a great idea. Um, I don't know if it would have worked or if it ever would have passed. Um, but do you guys in that teacher workroom, do you guys ever think like, hey, this is what needs to happen. We need to have a union or we need to have, you know, more computers or, you know, I, I feel like what I've heard the most of from you, and I don't talk to too many other teachers. I've got a few friends that are teachers, but, uh, me and you are definitely the closest, but I feel like you're always talking about the kids just need more parenting, you know? The kids just, they need more attention at home, uh, which I think is the case across the board. Uh, not everywhere. Obviously, there's, you know, there's, there's people. Um, I mean, if I'm being honest, I feel like 
I'm not the best parent I could be, you know. I was blessed with good kids. I'm lucky to have such, you know, well-behaved, non-suspension, getting, you know, fairly good grades, having kids, you know. I, I, I was expecting the total opposite. <laughs> so I'm, oh, I'm, no, I'm fortunate in that in that aspect. Um, so I guess what I'm asking is, do you guys like, do you guys understand the system that you're in that's broken? Like, do you feel like the system is supporting you? Like, do you guys have dreams of of you know making the system better and ways to do that? Well, I hate I hate to disappoint you, but politics are talked about. About as frequently as religion is. Oh wow! In um, schools, you never know who you, you never know who you might offend. You know, ah. because some people could have. I mean, even though we're all in the same school, we're yeah. all on the same side. Yeah. There could still be other issues that people have other priorities in. You yeah. know, and honestly, we don't we don't really talk about too much. I do know. I mean, if the, if the issue is a strong issue, like last year when. Devo- what's her name? DeVos or DeVoe? Got, yeah, Trump. Yeah, when she Trump. got put in, it was a huge deal. She pretty much paid her way. Everyone was angry about it yeah. that I know. That was a teacher. And that was talked about frequently. But other than that, nobody's really said anything about anything. Now, since then, have you seen a lot of changes for the bad? Have you seen... I've changed districts. Okay. I work at a completely different district, and I heard it's a different world, and it is. And okay. it is. So... I worked for one district for five years, and then I moved to this one. So I've seen a lot of changes, but I don't know if it's related to any policies. Okay. Or as bad as they were So yeah, the budgets or... are different, the population's different, the pay's different. Okay. Everything's based on your local taxes. Okay. And your brackets, so. Yeah, I was, I was talking with a mutual lawyer friend of ours, um, the guy with the chins, and he was saying, we were talking about schools briefly, and he was saying that that's the way it's divided is the richer communities or the richer parts of town, those schools have more money. Um, and then, of course, the lower ends of town, the, the, the poverty-stricken ends of town with, the, with those schools have a lot less money. And it's, it's, it's not that they have actually but government funding. Yeah. The schools that need the most ha- get more government funding. Okay, see. The schools that don't need and have... Don't kids, get as much. They don't get as much. Because of the tax difference that they acquire. Right, but they also have a lot, you know, their school supply lists might have a lot more things on it. Okay. That you expect Title One government funding to pay for. For example, copy paper. Uh-huh. When I worked at a not Title One school, the school supply list had tissues and toilet paper and copy paper and all that stuff with it. Hey, with Hey, and the school I'm at now doesn't have any of that, and they're expecting Title One funding to pay for all of those things: tissues, copy paper, all that. Is my rig still in there? <laughs> so, Title One funding is basically the—is that like the part of the law that restricts how much funding they get, as opposed to? How much funding is expected by the parents because of the community that they're in is is a higher earning community. I think they're called they're low poverty or low income schools because there are so many students living in poverty there. Yeah. Um. Some some of them don't even get their meals unless they go to school. Yeah. 
and those parents can't provide the school supplies or the field trip money yeah. or the book funds, you know, book fairs. Book fairs, yeah. yeah stuff like yeah. that. That can't be taken care of by the parents because they have other priorities or they can't visit the school on literacy night because they're working nights. Yeah. And those kinds of things, they don't have the luxuries that parents that aren't living in poverty do. Yeah. Maybe those parents can't afford to or, read or with their kids be, every uh, night a and buy them a book. one-income household where the mom can show up for everything and, and be a little more present. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then they can also have everything on the school supply list that... They don't, so then those schools that have wealthier parents there, they don't need the funding that Title I provides because they have so much that parents are willing to give. Do you know of any of the statistics, like are those better funded schools or the the, the non-Title I schools or the, the high income schools, do they have better test results? Yes. Always, like across the board? Yes. Okay. Um, in both counties I've worked in, the schools in like Ballantyne, those Dilworth. So it's probably safe to say that those those uh, rich schools um, have probably a little more parenting, e- even if if it's not maybe you know the quality of parenting, but at least there's someone present, or at least they're they are making sure their kids brush their teeth and yeah. read every night. Yeah, and they're making them do their homework. Yeah. And then they're pushing them sometimes. I mean, and they're not doing their homework for them. Yeah, and that I mean that <laughs> happens in low the the low income schools too, but probably just mm-hmm. not as often. I mean, if you've got a single parent mother, like like I said in the beginning, my mom wasn't really there when we were younger. She would work, you know, from five in the morning till five at night. We got off at like, you know, three o'clock. So there was two hours that I could play with, you know, until she got home. And sometimes even when she got home, it was like she wasn't guaranteed to make dinner. You know, she never asked me, well, I'm sure she asked me, but never really checked on my homework or sat down with, I never asked her for questions. I just, my grades were okay because of my social skills. You and you know? were so nice. You, she never got called to school, yeah. so well, she never thought well, there was a problem. my mom, when she found this out, she found out that they were passing me because I was likable. And when I was diagnosed with the dyslexia and the learning disability, she found out that my reading level in fifth grade was at like a second grade reading level, but they had been passing me just because I was so nice and I showed up every Maybe day. Maybe you were so good at other subjects too. They didn't have those kinds of testing yeah. and pressures yeah. when we were younger that they do now. Yeah. Right now, and when you're in third grade, if you're not reading on a third grade level with some sort of proof, then they will retain you. Yeah. But they give you like a million chances. Yeah. I never got held back. Never. Well, I I became super senior, but that was because of disciplinary issues, not because of scholastic. But you said you were so nice. I was nice to my teachers. You know, <laughs> I had I had regular you know social interactions, you know, positive and negative. Um, I tried to hang out with the ladies more because they were a lot less confrontational, but that forces you into confrontations with other, you know, males. So, but that's a different. That's a completely different podcast and um topic so have you you've bounced around a little bit in your career have you taught at rich schools and poor schools yes would you say okay so you can you can attest to both yes okay um so you couldn't see yourself being anything else but a teacher how long do you do you think you'll ride this what is a teacher's expectations what 20 years and then you retire 30 years 30 30 
Um, Switching so if districts, I do really that... no, it doesn't change as okay. long as I stay in the same state. Okay. So if I stay teaching or in education on the state salary for twenty four more years, I can graduate. I mean, not graduate, retire. Retire, mm-hmm. right? And they'll and they'll pay you and not a lot, but something a month for the rest of your life. I do have a pension and a life insurance, but let me tell you what I heard about state benefits with teachers. If you become a teacher. Starting, I think, 2019, mm-hmm. you no longer are offered life insurance. Life insurance nat- comes to me naturally because I'm a state employee mm-hmm. and because I got in the system before You're 2019. You grandfathered into the mm-hmm. system. Well, it's also before 2019 yeah. now. Well, and so anyone that's going year, to school right now that's not a teacher yet, that won't be a teacher... This year, correct, is gonna be essentially. So if they get SLR. hired, like they graduate twenty nineteen of next year. Yeah. So August twenty nineteen for the nineteen twenty school year, they become a teacher. They don't have life. They have health insurance. Yeah. They don't have life insurance anymore. Yeah. Well, They're life out. life insurance is a big gamble. I mean, insurance is a gamble. Um, but it's it's, you know, you're gambling against yourself, and it's it's a weird thing, but it's totally necessary. I'm paid up on my insurance. I. I I mean, I guess... If I mean, I, something's better than nothing, though. Yeah. And I'm not really paying... I mean, I'm paying out of pocket, but I could be paying a lot more. Yeah. The fact that they're cutting it is just so unfair. Yeah. Well, a lot of teachers get into it young, so they're probably they're probably implementing that on the, on the basis that, you know, oh, a lot of these kids are fresh out of school being teachers, so they don't need life insurance yet, you know. They can get their own exactly. later. Exactly, yeah. If they're um, smart enough, they'll get their own kind yeah. of thing, yeah. So, um, with with current events being what they are, do you feel, like, safe at your school? I know when I was a kid, there was always a police officer at my school. I know he's only, like, a dare officer, but, <laughs> um, I mean, I got into fights at my school. Uh, I seen kids get beat up. I seen kids get knocked out, but it wasn't an everyday thing. I feel like, you know, there's, like, 300 and... 26 million people in the United States right now there's I think it's amazing that uh that there's not as many just as car accidents for let's say you know as many people drive like there's a lot of car accidents and there's a lot of different reasons for them but it's amazing there's not more you know let's just assume half of those um 300 million people are driving like it's amazing that there's not millions of accidents a year you know There might be thousands, there might be hundreds of thousands, but it's a relatively small number compared to the possibilities of it out there. You know, we've all agreed to, when we're on the roads, we're not going to crash into each other, you know? Um, I I feel like if if I was a kid and if I ever snuck a weapon into school, first of all, I'm not telling anybody, you know? Second of all, like, I remember the Columbine shootings. I remember in 1999 when all that happened, uh, you know, I went to... I went to five different high schools, right? So the first high school I went to was, was Cake, super soft. It was a brand new high school. The second one I went to was a older high school that I ended up finishing up in Connecticut, and they built a new high school because that old high school was falling apart. So my junior year, I was in a brand new school um, that had, it was like 140-something cameras in it because it was post-Columbine. 
Now, I don't know if it was designed before, but I know it was, or I don't know if it was designed before or after. It was after, after. But it was opened after. It so, added the cameras. Yeah. Well, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is the cameras, we still smoked cigarettes in the halls. We still made out with our girlfriends. We still, you know, did things in the hallways that were unmoral, to say the least, if not, you know, illegal in some states. Well, I don't think the cameras should ever make you feel unsafe. Yeah. Let me tell you a story about my cameras at the school I taught at last year. Mm -hmm. It was the first day of school. So I've got like 24 new kids, never seen them before in my life, and there are three girls that look very familiar. And their names all sound alike. One of them on the very first day of school had early dismissal and left early for a dentist appointment. So... There's two other ones. So the most stressful part of the day and of the day on the first day of school is dismissal. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure everyone gets home the right way. No one gets on the wrong bus. No one gets left behind. No one's a car rider but really gets on a bus. Whatever, whatever. Like you don't want to mess up. That's your teaching job. Like yeah. they say, get them fed, get them home. That's the yeah. two rules of the first day of school. Yeah. So. One kid, I put all the kids on the bus, I've got my little chart, I've got all their little badges, and all the kids get on the bus. Mm -hmm. And there's slot numbers, so all the buses are parked in a little slot that's on the parking slot, lot yeah. that is numbered, so they know, okay, mm -hmm. slot, all these kids get on slot one, slot two. Mm -hmm. One random kid who I haven't seen all day comes up to me, where's my sister? I'm like, oh, you mean... What's her name? One of the girls that said Right, I the named her, and yeah. he was like, yeah, I said, she went home for early for a dentist appointment. And he looks really confused. I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> like, I don't know this guy. Yeah, he wasn't your student. No, he wasn't my yeah. student. Not, so, my, not my monkey, not my circus. So apparently this girl was scheduled to get off the bus like 15 minutes after the bus leaves the parking lot. Okay. So I haven't even gotten my stuff together yet. I'm still going through my school supplies. All the kids have gone home. And I get paged to the front office. This guy, this big grown man is like, where's my daughter? And I am panicking. He asked me where his kid is. So you put her on the bus. I was like, I thought she went home for a dentist appointment. Yeah. I'm getting her confused with a different kid. Oh. I did put her on the bus. But we didn't know what happened to her for an hour. We went back to those security cameras and we rewound them. And we watched me take my whole class out. She got on the bus next to her bus. And we couldn't get in contact with this bus that she was on until... So she got on the wrong bus. She got on the wrong bus, the bus right next to the one she was supposed to get on. Okay. So for an hour, we couldn't find her. I'm crying. I'm like, I lost a child. Like, yeah. I'm a teacher. This yeah. is my job to, te yeah. to keep a kid safe. And I lost them. Mom comes into the main office. She's hysterical. If I was a mom, I'd be her too. She was crying super loud. Her whole face was red. She thinks she's never going to see her daughter again. It's my fault. I'm crying. Yeah. They don't speak English. Oh. So I have nothing to say to them. Yeah. Like, I, I, what am I going to say to them anyway if I really did lose their daughter? Yeah. You know, well, like, yeah. I, would, I would expect her to how kill soon, me. I would let her take my life. How soon after you get paged do you guys start looking at the cameras? So it, it was a good 15 minutes. Because oh, that's I'm, an eternity. Good 15 minutes before we start looking at the cameras. But we're looking at the cameras for a good 15 minutes because 
with throughout the crowd of kids. Yeah. She's very tiny. So we have to watch. For two eternities, you're sitting there spinning it in your head like, I lost these guys' kids. So we watch her get on this bus, yeah. And we can't get in touch with that bus driver. That bus driver's not picking up her thing, I guess, because she's trying to get all her route set up. It's the first day of school. There's a lot of confusion. Right. Yeah, she's trying to get all the other kids up. Yeah. So she's probably not going to notice that there's an extra kid on her bus until the very end. So is that what happened? That is what happened. Did she, did, did it was like 5.15. The bus came back to school. I stayed. Parents were there. Oh, yeah. I was... Oh my god, that was a wreck. Now, was, and I had nothing to say to them. I mean, that was a that was a mistake though. There was like no disciplinary action. There was no no harm, no foul type thing, right? I was okay. They forgave me. They were nice, but okay. I was just like, I was so nice. I paid so much attention to that kid. Yeah. Every day for the rest of the year after that. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget her. Yeah. There was actually one time she what stayed year after was school. This? this was last year. Okay. There was um, one day she wanted to stay after school for some like. Police, like the police like, no. came. No, I let her stay, but she couldn't get a ride home. I, I put her in my car and drove her home. Okay. She was right up the street. Yeah. And it's it's, it's little things like that that you never hear in the papers or you never hear get contested. I can I can uh, remember plenty of times when my teachers would go out of their way to either give me a ride home or to get me a box of crayons or. To get me those, you know, uh, file folders with the separators in it, you know, um, there was plenty of times when I took advantage of, or I say take advantage of, but I was the recipient of of their charity, you know. They didn't have to do that for me, but because that was their job to to teach me, and and I needed those tools, and I lacked them for whatever reason, and we weren't poor growing up. I mean, they made plenty of money, but I didn't like. My parents growing up, they I was scared of them for the most part. You know, they were working all the time. Um, my mom was always cranky, and uh, my stepfather was... That's a whole other story. But um, it, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like we were, you know, being abused or anything, but it was... It was just like a out of sight, out of mind type thing. You know, mm. stay under the radar, just fly low and yeah. make it to bedtime and you're good. You know, because as soon as they go to work, it's straight. We turn on the TV, we watch cartoons, we make our peanut butter and jelly sandwich, whatever. You know, and it was it was a great childhood. I never I never complained about my childhood. You know, if my mom ever listens to these. I don't want her to think that, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't do a good job because she did the best she could with the cards that she was dealt. But what I'm saying is, you know, you know, she never checked my homework. She never did this. I can assume that that made it harder for my teachers to teach me, you know? So I can I can see where the parenting uh, proponent or component is, uh, is crucial. And it will make the difference in a kid's education. And I think that uh, people like you, teachers like you, are, uh, you know, the, the difference makers in people. I, like, I remember those teachers. I'll never forget them. Like, their their names are etched in my head. <coughs> the few that made a difference on me. Mm-hmm. You know? And if it wasn't for them, I feel like I I wouldn't have got anything out of school. Yeah. Except for learning how to talk to people. And every know? year, there's like three, two or three kids in every class that I reach out to. Like, that that I just have this connection with. You just can't help it. Like, you're just drawn to them. And if that... I mean, I feel like there's something in the air that that does that to people like fate or destiny or something like that and if you think about it three kids per teacher how many teachers you have 
between the beginning and the end. Thirteen. Twenty six at more. least. More. Yeah, yeah. If you if you only had one teacher per year, that's at yeah. least thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. You're you've got the chances to be touched by at least one teacher that gives a shit about you. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. I've had a couple kids that, I'm that, have mean a lot to me, and that I feel like I mean a lot to them, and. But I mean, there's also some kids that slip through. Yeah. But it, but the parenting like they that will. Every kid will grow even a little bit, but the parenting will leaps and bounds. You yeah. can you can tell between yeah. you can tell the difference between a kid with. Well, you only get parents. them for a season. You only get them for what 180 days, yep. something like that. They've mm-hmm. got them for you know Ever. the better part of two decades. Right. Like I just I just I play out this imaginary horrible parent teacher conference in my head. I've yeah. never had it before, but yeah. I always plan for the worst. Yeah. I imagine a parent being like what are you going to do about my child kind of thing? I wanna, yeah. I'm going to be like, you know, if a parent ever said that to me, be like, lady, I have got him till the end of May. <laughs> yeah. You got him for the rest of your life. Who's going to take care of you when you're old? Yeah. This kid that can't read? Yeah. You better do something about it. It ain't about me. It's about him and it's about you. Yeah. And well, I mean, you're there to offer advice. You're there to put them on the, the best path that you can. I feel like it's uh, it's a... Uh, not a covenant position, but it's it's a humble on taking. Uh, it's it's definitely a labor of love, I would say. Uh, you know, like you said, you kind of just ended up in it, but uh, I'm glad you did. You know. Uh, I know. The last thing I said sounded so bad. Now I think about it. Uh, no, I do. I do take responsibility for their learning. Yeah. And their behavior. You know, but for the most part, I would do anything for them. And I I even thought about like. What's going on now with the school shootings and stuff? I thought, would I really take a bullet for my kids? And I thought about the, the two kids that I like the least in my whole teaching career, in my whole six years, <coughs> the two kids that gave me the most trouble. That I, if they came up to me right now and asked me, Miss Hosman, do you miss me? I would say, no, I'm so glad you're out of my life. I never want to teach you again, you know? And I wouldn't feel bad at all. Yeah. But if there was a gun in front of that kid, I would have to stand in front of it. Between them. You would feel like it's your duty. Yeah, because first of all, I would have yeah, I would have to. Who else is gonna do it? Yeah. Right. And second of all, if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to live with myself yeah. for not doing it. I would feel too guilty. Yeah. The whole world would know and they would feel like, Oh, you can't believe you didn't you didn't take a bullet for your child. Yeah. You know? Well, Everyone would hate me. I would hate myself. It would be even worse than actually being shot. Well, see, you guys are already underpaid and overworked. And now it's like you're being thrust in this position to take on these extra tasks and this, this extra... This what extra, extra tasks? Well, I'm just saying, like, what if they start implementing safety precautions? What if they do start arming teachers? Like, what if you have to get, you know, a, a permit... Like, I don't think they should have weapons they in won't. school. They won't. They won't do it. But I don't disagree with them having policemen at the schools. They have policemen or, that are armed. Or metal detectors. They have, they have At the schools, yeah. you know. Um, I think there's plenty of ways to to help them out. But, I mean, with this last one in Florida, they said there was, there was, you know, 18 different times when people tried to warn them about this kid because he was nuts and made 
gun threats. I heard there was an armed officer at the school that he didn't for even four use, minutes. He didn't even shoot. Anybody. Well, he was he was outside the door. I was I did a little bit of research right before I came over, and he was outside the door as the dude was killing staff members and kids, and he didn't he didn't. Jump he didn't in and know start or shooting. he didn't try. No, he was outside the door as the guns, as the fires, as the shots were going off, so waiting for backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's like I don't know their training. You know, I'm not, I'm not anti cops. You know, I believe they have their role, but it's like I feel like if 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 that happens and teachers are asked to, you know, jump in front of kids, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, moral standings. I'm I'm a coward. I would probably hide. <laughs> And run, you know, like, I'm not gonna throw a kid in front of a bullet, but right. Now, but there's so many people that think like me and yeah, even love kids. Even well, that's the I thing. Am. I'm not. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an animal lover. I'm not one of those mushy mushy people. Now I love my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was my kids, I would be hysterical. Um, and I think about it. I mean, my kids go to public school. You know, so as much as I as I don't think they should publicize it, I don't think they should. Um, I don't want to say romanticize it, but I don't think they should give it as much attention in the media as they do. People have a right to know, and it's what people want to hear. There's been a lot lately. Do you think... I think it's a copycat syndrome. It's on purpose. Well, it's, it's a way for, for these people that have, have been, been being shunned and being bullied or had some sort of, um, you know, uh, shitty stick that they drew in life, you know, whether it's not being able to get a girl or not being able to have friends or not being able to connect with people, you know, uh, compiled with, you know, antidepressants that were feeding the youth and compiled with, uh, you know, a murky family situation. And then you add in the access to weapons. I mean, you've got a volatile situation from so many different angles. That's all true. But what if it's something bigger than that? Like, what if these guys, these people are being coaxed into it because... People want these kinds of laws to be passed. I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot. I think they there might be some sort of conspiracy. There might be some sort of engineering to this. Because I looked up when I was doing that little bit of research from from Columbine from ninety nine to two thousand and twelve. There was only thirty one school mm-hmm. shootings. That's, I mean, that makes sense. From from the beginning of this year to where we are now at what thirty eight or something like that. Well, no, there's well that's the that's the death toll. Oh. It is one thirty eight, but there's been there's been thirty eight school shootings this year alone, and we're not even in March yet. Right, we're still in February. You know, and there's thirty one in the years between the two, right? Yeah, you know, so just that that statistic alone in my head is is scary, and I'm not I'm not anti guns. I own guns. You know, my kids shoot guns, but you they, do own guns. We yeah, were talking about my that. kids fire shotguns. They fired pistols. We go to the range. They know. They know gun safety. They know. Um, have you seen our guns? We've got some. No, I didn't know you guys had guns. We've got a couple guns. Yeah, that's awesome. He might have some. Well, I mean, there's there's a there's a certain security that comes with the there there there's an inordinate there's a lot of guns in America. They say there's like three million guns in America or something like that. Oh. As opposed to how many people we have, it's it's a lot of guns, mm-hmm. right? But there's a certain amount of security in that. There's never been a war on American soil that wasn't like a terrorist attack, some sort of cowardly attack, or something manufactured with some sort of agenda behind it, like you, like you're saying, you know. But <clears throat> I don't I don't have the answers. I'm not going to pretend to. But I know you're a teacher, and I know that it affects you. So like, I mean, what's your position on it? Like how? 
how do you see us solving this problem if there is? I mean, well, every school has a ba- has a little sign on it. No it's weapons yellow. allowed. Ye- yeah. yeah. Well, that, but yellow. It's yellow. Yeah. It says safe place. Yeah. Right. They advertise that it's a safe place to go. Like even if if you run away from home in the middle of the night, you're supposed to be able to go to this place. It's yeah. called a safe place. Yeah. And be able to claim you know, sanctuary of yeah. some sort. Yeah. Yeah, and like. And they have a sign that says no weapons, no tobacco, no drugs, yeah. right? So so I think on the funny side, oh, if, if I'm allowed to bring weapons to school, then I'm allowed to bring drugs to school. Well, no one's allowed to, but the fact that it's happening at such uh, an exponential rate is is alarming. Right, like, so, well, that's that was what I was joking yeah. about yeah. at first in my head, but then at the same time, like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's this, what's the one place that weapons aren't allowed at? Like, one of the very few, other than, you know, airports <coughs> and things like that. But there's Court children houses. there. Yeah. Like, come on. They're not going to put... I'm, I have children. Like, okay, so I have a student this year. He found a bullet at his house. A, one that had not been used. I don't know where he got it. He got it somewhere in his house. So it was a and what's around. scary... Yeah, so what's scary is that if he has access to the bullets, he probably has access to the gun. Yeah. But we don't know that. Yeah. All we know is that he brought a bullet to school. No weapon. Just yeah. the bullet. Yeah. I told the principal or the vice or the assistant principal, like, oh, what's his name? Brought a bullet to school. He got suspended for three days. Yeah. I thought he was just going to take the bullet and be done with it. No. He's, he suspended Yeah, but him. you can't you can't sweep that under the rug. It's just a bullet, though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, if I know. If a kid can't bring a bullet, then there's no but imagine, way. But imagine if you had swept that under the rug and you hadn't told anybody, <laughs> and then someone found out about it, you would have lost your job. Well, yeah. You know? So yeah, you had to tell him. As much as you don't want little Scotty to get suspended because you don't think he did anything wrong. Yeah, he was just trying to show but, off. But also, the, the parents have to be informed about it. That like, he has access to that. Yeah, like, hey, right. this is a problem. Right. You know? So I, I agree with those. But I didn't expect him to have to miss school for three days yeah, because of it. Yeah. That was intense. Yeah. But at the same time, if they don't even allow that, how many steps, how many years do you really think it's going to take for them to really put a gun in a teacher's hand? All it takes is one angry kid yeah. to get that gun. Well, first of all, the guns would be locked up. They would be in like a safe box type thing, like on an airplane, you know what I mean? It'd be locked up in a cockpit. Only certain people would have access to it. It's not like they're just going to let, you know, the teachers that think they're, you know, John Wayne, they're not going to let them carry their own personal guns to school. <laughs> Leave them I on their hip. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's not, oh, it's, look at my gun. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be like that, you know? It'll be in a safety secured box. There'll be so many rules and regulations. You guys will know who the peop- who the gun carriers are, you know? There's probably going to be certain stigmas behind those didn't teachers they, Didn't they say there's it. a gun in Alaska because of bears or something? Probably. They're, see, they're trying to, they've been trying to get guns in school for a long time. Well, the, I, I feel I, like this is all just a I mean, thing. I don't, I don't consider, you know, Facebook uh, credible, but I've seen things where, you know, they say kids used to have shotguns in their trucks when they used to come to school all the time in, ba- in racks, the shotgun racks in, in their school. That's and there true. Was no school in the parking shootings lot. Back, yeah, yeah. There was no school shootings back in the 50s and 60s, you know what I mean? Well, even when I was in high school, that was the truth. Yeah. In Durham. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen guns in school before when I went to school. Now, I never I never brought well, any. it wasn't in school. It was in the parking lot, but... Yeah. Well... Was, you saw it in school. Yeah. In school. Yeah. In school. You know? So I know that it's it's possible. I know that it's, it's, you know, it's it's a real thing. It's terrifying. But it's... It's uh, it's an issue that has to be had, and I think it, I think it all comes back to the parenting. Because I tell you what, if my kid 
get suspended for bringing a bullet into school, we're going to have a serious discussion. We're going to sit down and we're going to find out exactly where you found that thing. And it better be one of my bullets. Because if it's not, you got some real explaining to do. What? Is that, is that even worse? That it's not yours? Yeah, absolutely. Because then if it's mine, then I'll be like, okay, well, well where did you get it? Or if he just found it on the street or in the yard or something well, like that. Well, then, I mean, it, it, as long as he's honest with me, and we can, you know, come to a, a realistic uh, explanation of why it's there and it's not something that's fabricated in the library. Because that's not... It's, that's not something we joke about, you know, mm-hmm. especially with the current state of times. Even if even if this was in the 50s. Did you know that bullets can just go off by themselves? Yeah. yeah. Why would they even have that in a school? It's, like, they're not going to do it. It's highly unlikely. It's not like it's it's something that's That's common, why I'm not even sweating. Everyone's like, oh, don't have guns in school. Like, don't even, don't even yeah. say that out loud. Like, yeah. it's so dumb. Well, they're entertaining things that'll probably never come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if the kids got them. I don't see why the police shouldn't be there with them. No, uh, really, though. They, they should they should put more money in the schools yeah. and then have guidance counselors to prevent this type of behavior in the first place. Yeah. Maybe if this kid was caught in fourth or fifth grade, Yeah. maybe this but, wouldn't have come to this. But what if it was all orchestrated by someone that wanted some sort of government funding on a national level, which mm-hmm. is, we're talking about millions of dollars, whether he can take advantage of all of it or just a little bit of it. Let's say he... Someone gives him a check for $5 million and says, hey, have some sporadic things happen in the year 2018 all over the country. You know what I mean? Certain things here and there, here and there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he writes a check to someone else, makes it happen, Get, finds an unstable kid that's looking for love on the internet or something. You know what I mean? And gives him a game plan. Like, I'm not saying this is what happens, but, you know, there's... It's a possibility. There's There's millions of possibilities. My mind could wrap around... Plenty of different <coughs> things. Is the the point is that something's got to be done. There's got to be some sort of change. I don't think it's gonna. And be... I yeah, I agree, and I believe a preventative approach yeah. is necessary. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So I don't think metal detectors are too far out the realm. Um, you know, but then there's there's funding questions. You know, it's it's it's, you know, these are real simple. Um, solutions that I'm proposing to really complex issues. Mm-hmm. You know, like at what age do you implement them? Like, what are the statistics that we have? What is this, what is, you know, what is the age range this is happening at? What is, you know, people want to blame everything on assault rifles when, you know, a gun is just a tool. Right. It, it can and be they used. They really want to provide weapons that cost hundreds of dollars to every single teacher. They might as well spend that money Hiring psychologists and counselors to every school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's if there's if there's so much of this happening, and let's say it is all just a sign of, um, let's just say poor schooling, then the school needs to look at their curriculum and what they're doing. Maybe they need to come up with some some better uh, uh, extracurricular activities that allows them to channel their aggression in a different way. You know, maybe archery or maybe. Something that kind of... Um, you know, robotics just became a thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of students that feel left out and everything else. Like, they get to build things and engineer them. Yeah. And they really love it. Yeah. So they've really taken up to it and they feel part of included in something. Well, let's go to a much more happier place. One thing that I'm glad you said that. One thing I really wanted to um, at least have these people know that you could showcase about your skills is you're like knee-deep into coding. Can we pause and, it? Yeah. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I'm glad you changed 
took a quick pause for the cause. Um, coding, I think, would be a great answer to um, some of the maybe distractions or some of the other courses that are a little more uh, evolve a little more cognitive uh, functions and would would help kids. Uh, what do you what have you learned about coding? Because I feel like coding is pretty much the <clears throat> the future. Uh, to my understanding, it's it's how you make video games, right? Yeah, and I think it's just as um, cognitively, cognitively stimulating as reading or math can be. I just think it's a lot more, for this technology age that we're in right now, I think it's a lot more engaging and more stimulating. Yeah. So I think because of that, you know, with coding, you're learning a new language as of itself, but... Stop. It is a lot more entertaining to build a video game with coding than it is to learn Spanish or French yeah. by looking at a book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, even Rosetta Stone and stuff like that, I mean, there are so many kids out there that would rather build a program like Rosetta Stone than learn from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> someone was someone much smarter than me was explaining to me that it's... It's not about your ability to understand the ones and zeros. It's about your ability to understand that you can create whatever you want to if you can properly manage those ones and zeros. Right, and it's not even just ones and zeros at the beginning. Like They've, they've programmed games in ways that kids can like almost play Tetris to learn how to code. Yeah. And you know it doesn't even start as typing in ones and zeros. Yeah. It starts as just putting pieces of puzzle together. Yeah. And then they learn how to type that into words. Yeah. And those words later turn into numbers. Yeah. So um, I think it, they scaffold it really well for kids to learn at such a young age. So by the time they do get into high school and college, they're taking courses and actually benefiting from them. They're not just taking a course just to take it. Yeah. By that, by that age, there'll be a lot more jobs available that require these skills too, yeah. because these same kids that are learning how to program games, mm -hmm. they'll program things that turn into businesses, that will turn into jobs, and they'll need more programmers yeah. to do those too. I just had a, a, a guy on that, he's a cartographer, he makes maps for a living, he's 23 years in the field, and he was telling me before we started the show um, that anything he can do in his life, anything, he tries to automate. So, like, as far as having the uh, the coffee machine programmed every morning, where all he has to do is just, you know, put in whatever he wants, and it's the night automated. Before, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and he said, you know, it might be a little bit more work up front, but once you automate something, you never have to worry about it again. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing. Even if you have to fix it two or three years down from the road, like something is easy. I'm I'm not a big proponent for uh, automatic drafts because I don't always know how much money I have in my account. But now that I've I'm a little more grown up and I, I know how to keep money in my account, those automatic drafts are so nice because I don't have to pay those bills. You don't every have month. to remember when they're yeah. due. Yeah. 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 So, um, thank you so much for doing this. Please continue to teach. Um, and I'm glad that, I'm glad that I know, you know, you take your job seriously. You know, I've, I've, I've always said that, uh, you know, you guys don't, you as teachers don't get enough, um, Zoe, stop. Don't get enough, uh, credit for what you do. So thank you.
please continue to uh, educate the youth and make a difference. Make a difference in a way that that, that matters. Thank you. And I know I said you know earlier that you know if a kid's not growing, it's the parents' fault. But you know that's not always the case. You know, yeah. and, and deep down, regardless of whose fault it is, every good teacher, including myself, blames themselves for that lack of growth. So. I, I do like the kids. I think that's why I do so well as a teacher. Because if I didn't like them, then they wouldn't do well, and I wouldn't like my job. Yeah. So, thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate you too. Absolutely. But it's um, there's we're we're bigger than, it's bigger than both of us. You know. Yeah. The whole reason that we do this. Absolutely. So thank you. Signing off. Catch you later.